everyone, welcome to episode 18 of the Future Farmers Network Mentor of the Month podcast. The Mentor of the Month podcast is an opportunity to, for us to speak candidly to individuals who are passionate about agriculture for the purposes of not only learning about their career to date, but importantly, gaining some valuable insights from those of whom, even at a young age, are mentors and leaders within the agricultural industry. I'm Amelia Shaw, and today I'm joined by grain farmer Tristan Bulldock. Tristan and his wife Lisa, along with Tristan's parents, operate a 16,000 hectare cropping operation at Buckaboo in South Australia. In 2020, the Bulldogs were named Cropping Farmer of the Year for the Weekly Times. Tristan is also a member of the Grain Growers National Policy Group. G'day, Tristan. How are you going? I'm very well, thanks, Amelia. Great to be joining you today. That's great to hear. Um, it looks a bit chilly from where you are in South Australia today. Uh, yes, yeah, we've uh, escaped the frost, but um, nice and cool all the same. So, but uh, things are things are looking up here in in SA at the moment. Um, we're certainly in a better position we've been the last three years. So, we've uh, got a bit of buoyancy in our step. Um, I think I'd have less buoyancy in my step though if I was doing sixteen thousand hectares. So my apologies there, uh, Amelia. It's six thousand hectares, but uh, <laughs> I thought I was feeling a bit tired of late, and that's probably why if I've just chucked an extra ten thousand hectares on the operation. So um, yeah, but look, great to be joining with you today, and looking forward to the conversation. No worries. Yes, that's my uh, dyslexic moment there, g- giving you a lot more, um, you know, need for um, input costs there. Apologies. Oh, appreciate it. <laughs> that's all good. Um, so I suppose, Tristan, um, I'm pretty familiar with who you are and, and what you do, but our listeners, um, you know, they might know your name in terms of cropping farmer of the year, but do you want to give us a little bit about yourself, how you, where you grew up, um, where it all started for you in the ag sector? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so I'm back on the family farm now, which is located at Buckleboo, uh, which is just north of Kimber on the Eyre Peninsula, um, pretty much positioned halfway between Sydney and Perth. So we, we do carry the uh, the title of being halfway across Australia. Um, so yeah, grew up here on, on the family farm. Um, growing up, my grandparents uh, on dad's side were, were on the farm. Um, and obviously mum, mum and dad were here farming. Um, the land was cleared back in the late 30s, uh, so we've been here for, for some time, makes me a fourth generation. Um, so, yeah, grew up here on the farm, plenty of family around. I did my schooling in Kimber initially, um, and then year 11 and 12 rolled around. We packed the bags and headed just down the road to Cleve. Um, part, part of that reason was to, to do the ag course down there, uh, but the larger part was around being able to do my biology, chemistry and mathematics face-to-face. Uh, you know, Kimber's a, a relatively small town now. I think when I was going to school, there was about 350 kids at the school. I think it's back to around 150 now. Um, so like my, many rural towns, declining uh, rapidly in population. Um, and then from from there, at the end of schooling, I headed off to, I was actually going off to do ag science. Um, and then the idea of, of spending a year, my first year on North Terrace in Adelaide, didn't really rub me with that well. So <laughs> I thought, well, I've got a better idea. And we went off to Roseworthy College and did a Bachelor of Agriculture, which was fantastic. Um, thoroughly enjoyed those those three years. Um, and enjoyed it so much that I stuck around and did, a, did an honours year. Um, uh, where I actually looked at the long-term effects of no-till in the dryland farming systems. So, um, yeah, and and really enjoyed that to the point that I was uh, considering doing my PhD. And at that point, I think Dad tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, be careful you don't bloody become an academic. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, right, time to get out get out in the real world. So um, from there, we uh, we put the hand up 
um, for an agronomy position and ended up getting posted uh, over to Port Lincoln, the bottom of the Air Peninsula. So pretty rough place to start out. Um, lovely spot, Port Lincoln. So, and then grew from from there. Um, spent five years down there, looking after growers in the Lower Air Peninsula and up the west coast. Um, which, if you haven't been to the Lower Air Peninsula and up the west coast, you definitely need to put it on your bucket list. Some pristine coastline up there. Um, and from there, I moved up back up to Cleve actually, and spent uh, another. Um, I think it was seven years involved with the with the business up there doing agronomy. So uh, before I started farming, and um, and here we are. Uh, been uh, we just put in my eighth crop. Um, so a long way to go um, in terms of experience. Uh, given my father Graham has just put on the, on his fiftieth crop this year. So got a wow. got a few ahead of me. I hope so. Um, so yeah, in, in in a nutshell, that's that's sort of the journey that's that's brought us to here today. And a, and a well-versed journey, I suppose, too, in terms of bringing that agro background um, on farm as well. And um, I suppose, what has that influenced your experience and uh, I suppose your role on farm and um, how does that work in terms of, I suppose, dealing with the different generations' view um, of farming as well? Yeah, it, it's funny that. And, and when I reflect, you know, was agronomy the, the right um, path to take? I think... Yeah, if, if farming is the end goal, there's there's any number of paths you can take. Um, any trade that you can do is going to be beneficial, uh, whether that's you know auto electricians, whether it's mechanics, or even accounting. Uh, finding more and more that um, you know the focus uh, for me now as as general manager of our operations is very much that financial. Um, people management, those sorts of uh, skills. So doing a lot of work to to bring myself up to speed there. But um, I guess the agronomy, what it did do is give me a pretty good uh, grounding and exposure to uh, a lot of other operations. Um, so, you know, every time I'd go out and work with a, with a client, um, I was getting as much out of that interaction as what they were. And I, you know, I often found that clients knew exactly what they needed to do, etc. you know, um, knew what products they should be using, that type of thing. And your role was really just to, to back them in um, and bring a, a, a broader perspective uh, to their decision making, um, and so here we are, eight years on. We actually outsource uh, most of our agronomy. Um, so you know, yes, um, I do stuff in the paddock. Uh, my father, after fifty years, is obviously well versed in that area as well. But we actually use a, a private consultant um, that uh, does more of the holistic stuff, and we see him a, a few times a year. Um, and then we use. Um, our local retail agronomist out of our supplier as well. So while I've brought in a particular skill set, um, technical skill set, I'm finding that um, you know, my role requires very little of that, um, requires me to be doing other things, so we outsource that. Um, and, and I think, you know, as I said before, that bringing in that broader perspective is a critical part of the agronomist mm. in, any, in any farming operation, um, as it is in livestock with the stock agent. Um, so if we if we weren't doing that, we'd be we'd be losing um, a, quite a valuable perspective. I think, or quite valuable information that uh, that wouldn't be getting brought into our business. Yeah, and I, I suppose you know, um, looking at beyond agriculture, some would think um, if you've got a particular skill set and working within a business, you should. Um, you know, potentially just stick to that skill set or um, instead of outsourcing it. So to be able to have that self, um, 
recognition that you need to be working in certain elements of the business to progress it um, is something I find particularly interesting um, in terms of ag as well. Well, I think, Amelia, um, yeah, we all like to work in our genius and when you're managing people, um, you need to try and uh, have people working in their genius. But, yeah, unfortunately, when you're, when you're running an operation, um, yeah, there's jobs that have to be done, there's skill sets that, uh, that have, to be, uh, have to be brought in and some you can outsource and, and some you just got to um, uh, upskill yourself to actually do that and unfortunately the decision making side of it um, is not something you can outsource uh, that, that lands squarely on your shoulders so <laughs> you, you, you could but I don't know if it's going to go down so well um, yeah it might be, might be short-lived yeah yeah <laughs> exactly I suppose um to that point of skill sets is there something you know young agro aggies out there who are looking to start their career is there something that you feel that Technical skills aside, what what are, what do you look for if you're um, trying to employ a young person who's starting out their career? What's some skill sets that they should be arming themselves with to make themselves a, a better, whether it be a, a farmer, an agronomist, um, a mechanic? Yeah, I, I think probably the most important skill that um, that anyone can can learn and and then bring to a any business is is that skill and and willingness to um, to actually learn. Um, so if I reflect on uni days, um, I think really what they did teach us at uni is is how to find information, um, how to how to work with people, um, how to identify, you know, what you don't know, and actually yeah find find the right source of information or or, or, or skills. So when we're employing, we're very much looking for. Um, yes, we've got we've got this picture of the ideal person or, or ideal skill set. So we might be looking for a a boom spray operator, for instance. And yeah, ideally, you know, we're going to find someone that's, um, yeah, five years experience operating a boom spray and, you know, can do this and can do that. But really what we're looking for is someone that, um, that has that, uh, that broad, broad experience or, or, um, I guess, willingness, um, to have a go at a range of things and, and really bring that, that attitude, um, to the workplace. Cause you can't, you can't do much with attitude, but you can you can teach skills. So, I think yeah, if there's one thing I'd suggest to to young people is is certainly have that willingness to have a go at things. Um, don't be afraid to stick up the hand and say I don't know, um, but I'm but I'm keen to know. Um, and then and then back yourself in because um, I think if you if you take that approach, then you know it's endless what you what you could be doing. Um, and I, I think the other thing too is. Um, we see it a little bit in the younger generation, and I'm not that old, so uh, I need to be careful here. But um, <laughs> there, there tends to be elements of entitlement that creep through in the in the younger ones, and I think that's important. That uh, particularly when you're starting out, is that um, all you've got to offer is yourself, um, and you're not actually entitled to anything. Um, you know, it, it, while you've also got nothing to prove. Um, you know, you, you've really got to go, well, well, I'm here to make a difference wherever I'm working in whatever skill set. And you need to need to keep that that in mind, I think, because we see it too often that uh, people, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that because X, Y and Z or, you know, I don't have to do that. Well, no, if, you, if you're there to do a job, give it your all. Um, and you know, down the track, you can go. Well, I'm not actually enjoying that. And move off and do something something else. But whatever you do, you need to be need to be giving it your all. Otherwise, you'll um, you'll only end up disappointing yourself. 
um, in that uh, you know life is short. As time goes by, if you didn't get the most out of those opportunities, then then yeah, you're the one that's going to um, going to live to uh, be disappointed with that. Oh, exactly. And I, I think you know all great advice, and particularly when it comes back to one thing that I I love to see from young people in the industry and. I myself am not that old either, I like to think, um, is, is, you know, yeah, that have a go, but also ask if you don't know. Um, I Absolutely. Think, you know, these podcasts are great because people do get to, an opportunity to, to tap into some leaders that they might not necessarily have come across or even um, have necessarily the, the in, ability to have an intro, particularly at the moment um, due to COVID, can't shake your hand. So um, I, I think circling back to that, you know, you've got, the cropping farmer of the year accolade um and that's i know you're very humble in saying that it's not just you it's your your family that um took that award um what sees you know when you were given that opportunity to have your name up there and be identified as that um leader what do you think sets you apart or why do you think um you took the, out the award of cropping farmer of the year yeah, um, I, I think uh, like we in a way we just we shared our story, um, which I think is um, important that uh, agriculture is, as a whole is actually sharing their story, and that and that's what we did. We we shared our story, our journey. Um, yeah, certainly our success um, is very much on the coattails of of mum and dad. Um, so I guess our story was really about our journey um, in low rainfall farming. Um, always being on the front foot, uh, being innovators um, or at the very least early adopters of technology and practices. Um, so I guess, yeah, in a way it was, yes, we shared our story. It was recognition um, of what we were doing. But, um, you know, what, what we're doing is probably not a lot different to what many are doing. Um but I suppose in, in sharing those stories and in recognising them, uh, I guess also gives opportunity for those that, um, you know, perhaps want to do more to actually see, oh, shit, you know, here's, here's someone that's, uh, that's been able to do this. Um, let's, let's hear their story, understand their story and see whether we can, we can do it. Uh, but then, yeah, everyone's different too. So, um, yeah, I guess, like you say, we, we are humble. It was a, it was a shock. Um, yeah, we probably quietly go, oh, you know, pat ourselves on the back well done uh shit we've got a fair bit to live up to now uh, but yeah all these people think, asking uh, you podcasts yeah that's right that's right but yeah you know, i think yeah the other thing we, we're good in australia too aren't we have not um you know not celebrating wins um you know cut people off at the knees that sort of that sort of behavior um so yeah in a way it's it, it is nice that um you know uh, organisations like the Weekly Times um, are out there uh, doing this with with farmers. Um, and look, there was five other category winners um, last year uh, in those awards. Obviously, we were cropping, um, but yeah, it's it's. I guess it's it's a nice yeah pat on the back to go. Well, well done. You're going in the right direction. Um, keep it up. So, no, definitely. You mentioned there. You, I suppose, been aware of research and. Um, your agronomy background and also considering to be do a PhD I wasn't aware of that so um, I, I think you probably would have ended up in a very different direction there Tristan if you followed that path but how do you keep up to date with um, you know all the research that's out there the GRDC does you know some great research year on year but I know you're involved in certain groups locally how do you find time to manage a farm um, and be a part of so many interesting groups 
Is it, yeah, well, <laughs> very, very, very difficultly, Amelia. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if I think back to that uh, that idea of the PhD and, yeah, what uh, what could have been if I went down that path, um, certainly don't dwell, dwell on that at all. But, uh, you know, the research space was a very exciting space and I still have um, – still have a lot of contact with with a, a few key lecturers from from uni days and I suppose it was seeing what they were doing um, was what was was getting me interested in in that space um, but yeah now that we're away from that the agronomy is obviously um, given me a good technical background I suppose there's, there's been that interest um, there's always been that interest to understand um, the, the technical side of things and why things are happening um, now that we're farming, um, and, and really if I look back at the last 30, 40 years, you know, mum and dad have always been, as I said earlier, sort of innovators, early adopters, and had key relationships with the with the R&D agency. So we have a long-term relationship with Adelaide Uni on farm um, uh, with uh, the Minipur Ag Research Centre. Um, in our local area, we have the Buckleboo Farm Improvement Group, uh, who's 25 years strong, and they have very close ties with again, with the R&D side of things, so with Adelaide Uni, Minipur Ag Centre, Sardi. Um, and there's always something going on. So, um, you know, sometimes it feels like this is a trial farm. Uh, so we've got uh, the GRDC Sandy Soil site here at the moment. We've got um, we've got another uh, private site which is looking at um, um, uh, adjusting the pH in, in the root zone um, within the furrow itself. Um, we've got some some mapping um, uh, mapping relationship stuff going on. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts just happening all the time, um, and those those local groups are really important for that. So groups like the, the you know the Buckleboo Farm Improvement Group's got a membership of about sixty five growers, I think, um, and they offer a, a number of things right down to just the mental health, the outlet of jumping in the ute with a whole group of other growers and, and touring around and, you know, kicking the clods and, and having a beer, et cetera, through to actually bringing that, um, that R&D into our local space. So that helps us keep well connected. Um, I've, I've had a role on GRDC for a number of years. I've recently stepped down for that on the Growing Grower Solutions Network, um, which is a great way for me to keep involved with that R&D community and also make sure the grassroots issues are being pushed up to uh, uh, to the GRDC so we see investments in, in those spaces. Um, but, you know, great for me to just, again, stay on the front foot of what's what's happening. Um, so, yeah, it's look, it's a challenge um, to stay abreast of all of it. And certainly when I was doing agronomy, uh, the last few years of that were part-time. Um, and that was to help a transition period. And you know, I found uh, once I went part time, I was I was requiring as much time to invest in myself uh, to keep up with things as what I did when I was full time. So I was, you know, I, I would do a fifty fifty five hour week as an agronomist, um, but you know, a good ten fifteen of hours of that really was professional development, keeping a, in, in touch with things. When I went back to one day a week, I was only consulting with with key clients and doing more strategic stuff and um, other agronomists uh, doing the, the, the daily stuff. And I was sitting down for an annual review there one day and it come up about a certain product. And I went, oh, shit, I'm 
I'm not completely across that product. And that was sort of the, the trigger for me to go, well, I need to get out of a, out of agronomy because I'm not investing that 10 to 15 hours a week when I'm only consulting for 10 hours a week. I can't invest that 10 to 15 in, in staying ahead of that game. So, um, yeah, it's a challenge, whatever you're in, I think, to, to stay on top. But, um, yeah, probably the, the, the real advice there is don't make things too complex. Don't get involved with too many things. Otherwise, uh, yeah, too many balls in the air to juggle can, can bring you <laughs> undone. So, so I've, I've really scaled back. Uh, as I said, GRDC has uh, gone on the back burner for a few years. Um, my role in and project management and trial work with, with the, with the Buckleboo Farm Improvement Group, I've stepped away from that. Uh, I'll go back, but stepped away for a few years and focusing uh, primarily on my role as a board member for Airhub and uh, and Grain Growers Limited as a national policy group member. Great plug there. Um, I suppose, yeah, I remember talking to you about 12 months ago and you rattled off the long list of things that you were involved in and I, I didn't know when you had time to sleep. So um, very, very pleased and um, selfishly enjoy having you on the national policy group um, at Grain Growers. It's a uh, it's great having growers like yourself um, involved in those conversations. Um, you, you touched on personal development there, and I think this is one that um, no matter what industry you work in, um, generally as you start to progress your career and the further I know in my case that I get away from my uni experience, I probably don't necessarily give the, the PD or the professional development stuff as much um, time as it needs. Um, you just recently spent some time in Canberra um, with a group that you're involved in, I suppose. Do you want to touch on that a little bit um, around that opportunity that you're part of? Yeah, absolutely. So just I just rewinding a bit and, uh, you know, it was identified that while I brought a certain skill set to our business, there's a lot of skills that um, that need a lot, lot more work and business acumen is something that's probably lacking um, not in all, but in a lot of uh, farmers across across the country, and we certainly identified here that while mum and dad have very good business acumen, um, and we have okay uh, business acumen and skill set, we certainly needed to invest in that area. So um, there's a few different programs out there, but uh, we signed up with um, oh, and I'll, I'll name them. We we signed up with the Farm Owners Academy, um, and that's a three year program, which is really uh, really all about um, well, first of all, it's about yourself and, um, and and taking control of yourself and 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 being able to manage yourself well, manage time well. We all get twenty four hours in a day, but some of us get a lot out of twenty four hours, and and some don't. Uh, and then it moves into once you've got yourself right, and I, I don't think I've got myself right yet, I must admit. <laughs> so um, then, then we move into a couple of years of of, of real um, business skill development. Um, and so we're in our second year. Unfortunately, COVID has meant that um, you know we haven't had a lot of the face-to-face uh, side of things. So we did get the opportunity to go to Canberra recently, um, which was fantastic to uh, to get in the room uh, with with everyone there. Um, and and in that room, you've got people that are in their first year, second year, and third year. So it's a it's a real mix. Um, people from right across the country, and I think that's that's a real important part of any program is 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 that networking, um, you know, and meeting new people and understanding what they're doing, what challenges they're, they're dealing with. Um, within that program, we have a, a mastermind group. So we're actually teamed up with, I think it's five other um, producers from around the country. So we have two in Queensland, Southern Queensland, um, 
uh, one in Victoria and one in New South Wales, then another another farming enterprise uh, down in the SA Mallee. Um, so we we uh, communicate formally, I think it's once a month, no, once every two months. Um, obviously, you know, now with your chat channels and, and whatever social medias, um, yeah, us, us guys, and I'm sure the girls do it too, we, we chat fairly regularly about all sorts of things um, in that space. And yeah, that's just been a, a great program to bring, obviously bring the skill set up, but expose you to um, so many different systems. So within within our group, we've got a, yes, we've got um, cropping farmers, uh, mostly cropping actually. Some have got livestock in there as well, but um, one couple that tea tree farmers. So it just gives another perspective, um, you know, to how they manage their business. Um, they've got tea tree and, and earth moving. So. Um, so I think any, you know, that, and that that's a huge investment uh, over three years. Um, like financially, uh, it's a, it is a significant investment, but you've you've got to do that because if you're not uh, not getting the one and two percenters right um, in in business, well, actually, it's probably more than that. If you if you're not getting the big ticket items right in business, well, it's going to be a pretty hard struggle. So you just you just got to continue to to invest in oneself to to make yourself better and hopefully make it easier on you. Exactly. And I think also getting that experience from a variety of different growers across the country, um, you know, you, you see a different way that people work and think and um, the way that they interact with even their communities uh, is quite different across the country. Um, I always note in, in my job. Um, so it's, I suppose that's a valuable experience. Um, something that I always love to ask um, professionals in, in any field is, What's something that you've failed at and, and how have you failed and, and what have you learned from, from that experience? Is there something that you've taken away and whether it's never going to do that again um, or to fail faster, um, is there something that comes to mind? Um, uh, the, well, there's a bit of a saying, um, fail fast and fail often. Um, it's the best way to get experience and and you know I've, I've also had in the back of my mind for a long time that experience is something you get five minutes after you need it. Um, I don't have any particular catastrophic <laughs> failures. Um, That's good. <laughs> but I mean I'm sure sure there's been plenty along the way. Um, you know even yeah, on, on farm you know you, you make the wrong decision um, you know, it could go either way, and sometimes it's a win, sometimes it's a fail. Um, but you know that that builds that experience, that that arsenal that you draw on at a later time. Um, yeah, it's also times where you just completely just stuff up. Um, mm-hmm. at one of them over summer actually, which uh, had to it resulted in a in a change of the cropping rotation on a certain property because uh, something got tipped in the brew in a summer spray and you yeah it, it so i think yeah failures are really important though that um yeah they they do create that that learning tool or they are that learning tool um i guess if you if you keep failing at the same thing um there's probably a bit of an issue there um what's the <laughs> yeah. definition of insanity doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome um but yeah i think it is important to um in anything you know make an informed uh, informed decision, back yourself into that. And yeah, if it works, well done. If it doesn't, well, something was wrong there um, in that decision making. Um, and, uh, you know, work out what that is and yeah, put it 
put it behind you and move on. But it is definitely one of the quickest ways to learn is to just yeah fail fast and and fail often. So and hopefully if you if you if you're doing that, the little failures too, not not catastrophic ones that um yeah have have long long lasting repercussions. I guess if I think of agronomy days, probably one of the best failures you can have is um is a slip of the pen with the wrong product or the wrong rate or something and you end up wiping out a, a crop or, or not doing a job, that's um that's probably uh that's probably a, a pretty way to have a spectacular spectacular <laughs> fail. So uh, which I nearly I didn't quite but nearly had one of them one day. So <laughs> luckily I realised what I'd done before the before the farmer had gone out and, and actually yeah. done the job. So yeah. That sick yeah, stomach feeling. We're all, we're all human. <laughs> Exactly. And to add another quote in there, I suppose, you know, without failure, there is no success. And um, I'm a big believer in fail fast. And if you can fail faster, faster <laughs> and, and learn from those mistakes. Um, and I think also um, not being ashamed of that failure as well, having the, you know, the confidence to, to talk with peers or, um, you know, share those experiences because you're probably, like you said, you're probably not the only one who um, potentially makes that mistake. And um, if you can prevent someone else, then <laughs> kudos to you. Um, in terms of, you know, we, we hear all this talk in the industry of, you know, ag working to 100 billion by 2030 and, um, you know, particularly grains, um, that there's the desire to um, get to 30 billion um, as our contribution of that 100 billion. Um, what does that mean for, for a grower to you? Where do you want to see the industry go? What's something that keeps you curious or a problem that you think we really need to untap or um, progress further? Yeah, um, so firstly, great that um, that you know we've got a peak body setting those ambitious targets because you know we do need to keep lifting the bar, otherwise we take the foot off the off the pedal, and we can't afford to do that. Um, Australia is a big country, but um, you know we're a relatively small player, um, and we're dealing with um, with some pretty hostile conditions um, affecting our production. Um, and and also we we live in a country where labour is expensive, so we're we're a, we're competing on a world stage where we're one of the most expensive producers. So we need to keep these ambitious targets. Uh, I guess to get there, um, look, uh, I think we're pretty fortunate in Australia with our with our GRDC Grains Research Development Corporation. Um, while I've bashed them at times in the past, hence uh, getting involved with them. Um, you know, they do a fantastic job at investing grower grower dollars and 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 getting um, federal government money to match that, uh, forming those partnerships with research agencies. So what they're actually delivering on the ground is is generally fantastic. Um, we've seen huge advances over the last 20 years in in farming systems um in fact i'll probably go back longer than that for the farming systems but certainly in the last 20 years um also in in varieties um so we're constantly fighting fighting the yield gap um out here we do have drying conditions um so uh, climate change is real um it's been changing um for the last bloody couple of billion years um and one of those um one of those uh, side effects, I guess, or, or results of the climate change at the moment is we are having a, a drier climate. It's, it is becoming less reliable. So um, 
grains research has kept up with with uh, with varieties delivering better yields in in declining conditions um, so big tick there but the other thing is um, is making sure we're investing in in new markets and and maintaining uh, existing markets and developing them further. Um, I was told very early in my days as an agro that um, it's far easier and and requires far less work to keep an existing client than what it is to get a new one, and that's that's so true. So we need to be making sure we're looking after our existing markets, um, and I think that's an area where. Uh, we haven't been doing as well as we could have certainly over the past 10 years. Um, I think that's changing, very pleasing to see finally. Um, and uh, I know some people that have worked very hard at this over the last sort of five years. Finally, we have Grains Australia up and running. Um, so we'll have a peak body that um, that all those other industry good bodies can fall in underneath and we can start having a coordinated approach uh, to whole of industry, so that's that's fantastic because I think that's that's key that a uh, lot of different bodies running around out there doing great things with a lot of energy, but it just wasn't harnessed and all directed in the right the right uh, areas um, or in the right direction. And I think now that Grains Australia is up and running, it gives us the opportunity to do that. So um, really excited about what uh, what they can. No no pressure on John O. Wilson, but uh, yeah, really <laughs> excited to see what he can deliver over the next next few years once the feet are under the desk there. Um, yeah, so that ambitious target really important, and I guess it gives everyone something to something to aim for um, on our own farm. If we bring it back to the local level, obviously we're trying to to grow more with with less. Um, you know, we're uh, currently looking at uh, at land expansion. You know, perhaps not out to that sixteen thousand hectares, Amelia. But uh, and, and when you do that, you you really scratch your head and, and go. Yeah, actually, I don't. I don't want any more land to manage. Um, what I really want to be able to do is get more out of the land that I already manage. Um, and so, all of the R and D we've been involved with, you know, for the last thirty years has all been around how do we get more? How, how do we improve our soils? Um, how do we store more moisture? How do we, you know, when the rains do fall, how do we then make sure that moisture is available to the crops? So, yeah, at a local level. We are working hard to, um, yeah, to see whether we can produce more with less, and and hopefully make our contribution to the, to that that ambitious target. Uh, but obviously, we need industry to be doing their bit in terms of making sure we're um, we're capturing capturing the real value of a, of Australian grain. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty exciting time really at the moment and i think i think we can get there with that target so a lot of a lot of good people in the industry doing a lot of good things so um yeah i think we're we're well positioned to to get there no i think it's a and even if we don't get there it gives us a direction it's a very um you know what's what's something without a target you sort of aimlessly wander around so it gives you an opportunity to stick something up on the pin board and shoot some darts at it that's for sure yeah, yeah, and look, if if we if we do get there uh, by the time frame, we set the we set the target too low. Um, exactly. So you know, really, we're probably unlikely to hit it. Um, but you know, our, our, we've got that goal, and you know, we need to do our best to get as close as possible. And hey, I said if we if we hit it or exceed it, well, we've set our bar too low, and away we go again. 
Exactly. So we've touched on, I suppose, your your background in the industry, um, research and development. I suppose another area of the industry, and you mentioned your role on Grain Growers National Policy Group. And selfishly, um, for our listeners who don't know, um, I, I do work for Grain Growers and I am Secretariat for the National Policy Group. So I do, do work with Tristan a lot. But um, for those who are unfamiliar with policy and um, advocacy and agri-politics, uh, why did you get involved, Tristan? Like, what's the what's the benefit? I suppose a lot of people do ask that question. It's a big time commitment from you. Yeah, um, I. It, it was an interesting move. I suppose I've been in policy for a little while. Um, actually, bushfire management um, was probably what what started me off with with policy, and um, I didn't know a lot about grain growers actually when I when I joined. Um, I'd actually invited. Uh, the South Australian um, field officer Dave Evans over to um, to run us through a production wise going back a few years ago now uh, through a production wise uh, course and at the end of that course he's, he's having a chat with him he said oh I've got a bit of a job for you oh yeah right oh yep yep here we go we'll get suckered in again what's this job and he goes oh na- national policy group oh right oh so anyway we found out a bit about it and um I thought, yes, okay, we'll uh, we'll have a look at that, and uh, and uh, put my hand up, and um, that was that was an uh, an appointment at that stage that um, uh, the the existing rep in South Australia had um, had stood down for for personal reasons, and so anyway, after a uh, a visit from from the CEO and and the chairman, uh, we decided, yep, we'll we'll get into that, and took took a while to find my feet, but um, yeah, look, I, I do thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and I think, you know, it's a real opportunity in there to to influence um, a range of policies. So in, in any meeting, we can be talking about uh, issues around um, freight or, or ag vehicle movements. And then we're held, then next session, we're talking about the comprehensive economic partnership um, or, or other free trade agreements. And then we're back talking about uh, ag visas and uh, which, yeah, that's something that does does my head in, and thanks very much, Amelia, for uh, for dobbing me in to um, to join the NFF committee on on workforce. Because uh, I think with three weeks in, I think I get an email from Ben every day. Um, I haven't actually engaged with him yet because I'm scared to that uh, if he's sending me that much material when we haven't engaged, what's he going to do when when I do respond? So, um, but yeah, look, it's real. It's a real opportunity to, uh, I guess, to increase your awareness. Uh, first and foremost, around what's what's going on uh, in industry, because um, it is very um, it's very broad, and you, you can you can sit on your own dunghill and uh, not understand the bigger pictures. So for me, it's certainly given me uh, a good understanding of of a range of range of issues. Um, secondly, it then enables you to contribute and offer perspective uh, on a range of those issues. Um, I think what I learned very early on in the piece, though, is um, you can get overwhelmed and it can it can consume you. So you just need to uh, to focus in on a, on a few key interests, I suppose, and, and, and try and do them well. You can't be across everything. Um, that comes up on the on the national policy groups table. So, and I think the other thing that's really kept me kept me interested in it is, um, uh, and I suppose it's a bit of plug for grain growers, but but we get results. Um, I was really impressed early on at the um, the influence that uh, grain growers have uh, in the corridors of Canberra. 
Um, and I think that sort of kept me interested that we're not just discussing issues and making resolutions and, you know, beating our chest and, yeah, well done and nothing happens with it. Um, it actually goes goes further um, and and gets gets outcomes so and supports yeah su- well supports the other the other adv- advocacy groups out there as well which uh, which is important. Grain growers is in a unique position uh, whereas where they have a lot of uh, a lot of um, punch power and and a lot of um, I guess capital behind them to to invest in in areas that really need outcomes and in, in doing that they can support the other advocacy groups out there as well so yeah so it wasn't nearly looking for a policy um career i suppose um but uh yeah enjoy my time there and uh well we got another two years of me yet amelia and then and then i'm out the door uh, i've i've used my time so um yeah so looking forward to the next couple of years and um see what we can do with it Oh, and that was by no means um, have I sent you a check to say any, any of those kind words, Tristan, but I, I suppose um, you guys, not just yourself, but the rest of the National Policy Group and from my experiences working at a state farming level as well, growers and farmers make our jobs as policy officers um, so much easier. Um, if we've got an anecdotal story or um, actually have a, a, a grower come to, with us to parliament, um, it makes you know, the, the eyes of the politician light up. Um, you know, they don't want to hear someone who sits in an office in Sydney or at the moment I'm sitting in my, my home office due to COVID, but um, you guys give it a bit more colour. And, you know, recently, Tristan, you gave us a, a great case study even for um, farm management deposits and how your family has utilised those. So um, for anyone listening out there um, who has a burning issue or, you know, gets the email annoyingly from your state farming organisation or your peak, um, do note that you know, the policy officers on the other side do listen to and appreciate any feedback that you do give. And, and I suppose the same for you, Tristan, being a farmer, if we can give you that feedback as well that you're hearing nationally, it makes you your decision-making process a bit easier as well. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I suppose to wrap things up, um, I've taken up enough of your time and I believe you've got to get to, to spraying and, and all the things that you do on farm but who do you look up to in the industry who are your mentors I know you mentioned a couple of researchers but um, h- how have you gone about identifying mentors and what do you use them for in your life yeah um, so it's, it's an interesting question in that um, the first uh, in the first 12 months of um, of um, farm owners academy were asked to actually go out and, and find some mentors and and I have I have a range of people that I haven't actually formally um, you know asked them or, or set them up to be a mentor, but um, I do have a range of people that I'll, I'll chat with often and and listen to. Um, uh, another part of life, I guess, Amelia, um, from a very young age, um, when I injured my neck playing football, I took up uh, Aussie rules football, I took up umpiring. So uh, from 15 years of age, I was um, umpiring A-grade footy, uh, went on to um, the academy in the SNFL for a while before I got crook and had to pull out of that. But very early on then, I learnt that there's people you listen to at the end of each game that will give you the feedback that you need. So there'll always be critics and those critics will be critical of you, whatever you do. Uh, they'll always be the name says, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. Um, whereas you want to find people on the sidelines that 
are going to give you the honest feedback that will say, well done when you get it right. Um, and also will give you a, 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 a private dressing down, if you like, um, when, when you get it wrong or, or, or tell you the things you don't want to hear. So, um, yeah, in, in the ag space, I, I do have a couple of people that um, I said, while I haven't sent them up as, as mentors and it's sort of been in the back of my mind that I, I really need to do that, um, I, do, I do consult with them uh, fairly, fairly often. Um, I think from a business point of view, uh, as we go on this journey of improving our, our business acumen, um, we've, we've appointed a um, independent chairperson in our business um, and we do run a lot of business stuff past that person. Um, I guess in a way, while we've appointed them as a chairman, we've actually, you know, I guess we are using them as a mentor in business. Um, the idea of our mastermind groups in, in Farm Owners Academy is that they become um, those sounding posts as well, um, that we get to know each other's business businesses reasonably well and we can run things past them. So, yeah, I think it's really important that you do, whether that's a formal mentoring uh, setup or, or whether you've just identified those people that um, you you – I wouldn't say comfortable to go to because someone once said that a mentor should really be someone that you're shit scared of ringing. Um, <laughs> so I don't know whether that's uh, that's quite the case, but yeah, someone that you, you're quite happy to actually go to and 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 are open to the advice that they're going to give you, and they're not just going to say, "Oh, yeah, you know, well done." They're actually going to uh, tell you how it is, um, and they should be a range of people, so people within within your genius um so for us within cropping but also um you know people outside of that um but yeah really important because no no one knows uh knows it all no one can know it all um no one can be an expert in in all areas so um the more advice and, and input you can get from others from other people's experience well the better it's going to make your own so yeah can't um can't recommend that strongly enough. And I guess when, when you asked me to do the podcast, Amelia, and I, I saw what it was about, I'm like, oh, that reminds me. I've been going to formalise a few uh, mentoring uh, <laughs> mentoring uh, people there because I think, um, you know, once, if you do put a formal process in, in place, um, then it gives you that opportunity to lock away regular catch-ups, um, you know, which uh, which I think is important too. So, yeah. Definitely. Well, each, I'm happy to each to their own, help. but have have a mentor of some description. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, Tristan, thanks so much for your time. Um, you've certainly given some our listeners some great gems there, um, and there's a, quite a few quotes that I've taken down and might end up on a t-shirt someday for someone. Um, but this, you know, you've you've outlined that there's many ways to farming, and that um, you know, working with within and with out, outside your genius are, are things that people should be aware of, and that the industry is in in good stead um, with growers like yourself and and others that are coming through. And um, 100 billion is is a great aspiration for us to have. So, thank you for your time. I know it's not easy um, finding some time in your diary um, and many others farmers at the moment. It is a busy time of year, and I'm continually inspired by the dedication that you have with your fam and your family to the operation um, and advancing the industry. So, any parting words before we sign off? Ah, any parting words or oh, some inspiration? Um, <laughs> no, uh, just um, yeah. I think uh, you know, in life, do do what you love. Um, back yourself in. Get the right people around you, and um, yeah, it'll be a it'll be a fun 
fun journey. So uh, yeah, good good luck to everyone um, everyone this year um, in the industry, and I guess there's people listening outside of the industry. Um, but yeah, good good luck with whatever you're doing, and uh, yeah, hopefully um, hopefully blue skies ahead for for next year once we shake this COVID thing, eh? And we can all all get back to business. Fingers crossed. I'd love to see you in person yet again, Tristan. So um, to our FFN podcast listeners, thank you again for your support of our Mentor of the Month podcast. Be sure to follow Future Farmers Network on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn or sign up to our weekly newsletter for more information about our upcoming guests, exciting projects and events. Until next month, thank you for listening and take care, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out Propagate by the Young Farmer Business Program. Recorded in locations across New South Wales, it explores the business of primary production and the people who make it happen.